Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. My guest today had a near-death experience after medication he was taking and was prescribed caused blood clots in his neck to form. And luckily for him, he was working in a hospital at the time, and if he had not been, he might not be here today to tell his story. He suffers from Crohn's disease and eosinophilic esophagitis. Gitis, I hope I got that right. After he started using medical cannabis, he was able to decrease his opioid use from 14 a day down to one to three per day. He since founded Less Munchies, Inc. and is on a mission to change the cannabis laws in Canada. Jerry Smith, thanks so much for being with us today. And thanks for joining me all the way from London, Ontario, Canada. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Sure. You know, I, I, I know I messed up the the uh, malady that you suffer from, but would it, would it give me the exact name again? Eosinophilic esophagitis. It took e me months to learn how to say it. <laughs> yeah, eosinophilic esophagitis. Correct. Great. All right. And, and what is that? Um, so it's pretty much an inflammation of the esophagus. Um, so I can't swallow food all the time. I, I puke a lot, even water. Sometimes I'll puke. Ooh. So I have to go for throat dilations at least once a year uh, where they expand my throat so I can actually uh, swallow food and water as well. Have they figured out what caused that? Is that something genetic? Is that, What is that? Um, they think it has to do with the, the Crohn's. Like, uh, so th the way they explained it to me is Crohn's can either go up or down. Mine uh, went up into my esophagus um, uh, is, is the way that they explained it. So I have Crohn's in my um, top part of my stomach and then if it had gone down, that's when they get the colonoscopy bags and so on. Uh, but mine went up into my esophagus. Um, it took about 10 years of me going to hospitals and trying to figure out what was wrong um, with Crohn's even. Um, a lot of bleeding, a lot of puking and so on. Um, and eventually it turned out to be Crohn's and eosinophilic esophagitis. Wow. And is that that's treatable? Uh, it is, yeah. So um, they treat it with uh, prednisone is one of the main things they use for an autoimmune disorder. Um, and the prednisone, um, because I'm already on testosterone therapy, because I don't naturally produce testosterone. Um, so I'm on testosterone therapy, plus they put me on the prednisone, plus the autoimmune disorders have a chance to increase your rate of blood clots. I form blood clots in my neck, arm, armpit, both my lungs. Wow. And that's what almost, I mean, that, that, that's really where this near-death experience started. Talk a little bit about that. What, what was that all about? How did that happen? Um, so they put me on uh, the medication. Um, I started feeling funny within the first week. Um, so it was my Crohn's medications on, on top of the um, prednisone. So I, I started going into the hospital while I was working, going, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I don't feel right. My lungs hurt. My arms hurt. They're like, you pulled it out the gym. They gave me a sling, sent me home. Um, a week later, I was like, you know, something's wrong. Something is really seriously wrong. You need to take me serious. Um, when I wear a mask from COVID, it makes it worse. Like something's seriously in my lungs. It feels like someone's stabbing me with knitting needles. Uh, the doctors dismissed me. They said, I'm just like everyone else trying not to wear a mask. Uh, they dismissed me from urgent care. Um, so I went into occupational health to speak with the, the doctor there. And as I was speaking with her, she called my boss. She's like, you're going green. This is serious. I'm calling your, your manager. Uh, as she called her, I stood up to actually speak on the phone to my boss, and that's when I collapsed. Wow. So blood clots from my lungs hit my heart and 
right place, right time, like you said. <laughs> That's incredible. Have you recovered from that experience? Uh, the lungs. Sorry, sorry, I didn't cut out there. The lungs are actually. Uh, I just found out about two, three weeks ago that the lungs are free of blood clots. Um, I still have blood clots in my neck, armpit, and arm. Um, so I'm on uh, blood thinner medication for that. Um, I have a herniated or three herniated discs in my spine from when I collapsed. Um, I hit my head, so I have C6, C5, T1 vertebrae that are herniated. Um, so that's why they gave me opioids. So the opioids, um, I was taking 14 a day. I was like, it's still not going away. I'm still in so much pain. Um, I then one day was sitting at home with my, my fiance, uh, speaking to her about everything. And I ended up going, I couldn't speak. My vision went, um, I lost all sensations in my right side of my body, my arm. Um, I thought I was having a stroke. So I ended up going back to the hospital. It turned out I had inflammation around my pituitary gland, a three millimeter growth on my, um, stock of the pituitary and pretty much my system neurological system shut down. Um, so I have sensory issues on the right side of my face still, um, and I have chronic migraines from it. So I do nerve block therapy once a week where they put all the needles in your face, neck, um, and so on to help with the, uh, the pain and the, the headaches and the migraines. Um, from there, I started speaking to my endocrinologist, my, um, my hematologist, um, my neurologist, and I started asking questions about can I do anything else other than taking 50 pills a day? Um, I'm tired of taking 50 pills, um, especially with the eosilophilic esophagitis. <laughs> um, I would puke all the time because uh, I couldn't swallow the pills. So they all started telling me to start smoking cannabis, start eating cannabis. Um, with Crohn's, eat it. With the blood clots in the lungs, smoke it. With the neurology, smoke it. Um, and I was like, okay. So I started looking into it more. Um, and from there, um, me, Personally, a little side back backstory. I went to police foundations. I did not think I was going to be doing this. <laughs> um, I took policing, went to school for policing. My whole family's police officers, which I'm so proud of. Um, and you also for being in the military. So thank you. Um, but all that. And I ended up going, okay, this is something I need to start looking into. Um, I started smoking cannabis and I was like, okay, you know, I can not need 14 opioids a day. I can go down to 10 and 11 and like started going down and down and down. Um, after that, I was like, you know what, there's something here. Um, I started calling health Canada. I started calling ministers, um, MPs, um, started having meetings with all of them. So attorney general's office, uh, ministers here in Canada, uh, or Ontario, I should say, um, MPs, MPPs, the AGCO, um, everyone I could possibly think of, I started talking to, um, from there, it turned out I needed to have a petition. I was told. Um, a handwritten petition um, to make these changes. So minute, the changes when you when you, you started talking to them first. Let's, let's slow down a little bit because um, you know let's want to follow the story. You started talking to them. Why? I mean, you you, you clearly there's a medical cannabis program in Canada. Correct. So you have access to cannabis. What were you talking to them about? So for me, it was there needs to be an alternative way to ingest the medicine. Uh, because at the time, at the very start, I had double lung blood clots. I could not smoke cannabis uh, because I have Crohn's. If I ate the right now, the only thing allowed is the non-nutritional gummies, um, candies, um, all that kind of stuff. So with Crohn's, I would unfortunately um, 
pass more blood in my stools. It'd be a lot of blood. Um, so nutrition plays a big role with Crohn's um, and, any, um, and autoimmune disorders and, and inflammatory diseases. Um, so when I started calling them, I was like, is there something else we can do? I called Health Canada. That was the first person I called. Um, I was like, is there a way that we can actually legalize cannabis in food, that we can actually infuse food into cannabis? Um, so in Canada, it is only available in this candy kind of form. I mean, like here in the United States, we you can purchase cannabis-infused food products ranging everything from, which I know wouldn't help you, but from popcorn to chips to granola to you name it, those kinds of things would be really dangerous for you, especially with Crohn's. But uh, there are offerings of cannabis infused in just about anything. And then in certain municipalities uh, around the country, um, in private settings, chefs can come in and infuse cannabis in their entire offering of foods. But you can't do that in Canada. Uh, you could do private events in Canada. Um, so from this, I've reached out to many, many amazing cannabis chefs that do private events. They travel from Canada to you know Portugal to Vegas. To, they do all these nice events all over the world. Very talented, very knowledgeable chefs. Um, so when I started reaching out to them, getting their support, they loved it. They're like, we support it. If you need us, call us. Um, from there, I ended up... Uh, speaking to the minister of like, or no, sorry, not minister of education, uh, coordinators at colleges and universities. And I was like, can we start promoting something where we can actually properly teach people how to infuse it? So we don't have, you know, John from his mother's basement cooking you a brownie and you have a horrible experience for your first time doing it and you don't want to touch it again. Um, now me working at a hospital, um, we're affiliated with a retirement home as well. Um, the amount of residents and uh, people come to the hospital that I see with diabetes, Parkinson's, Crohn's, and so on. I was like, would you try this if you could eat it instead of smoke it? The, the amount of people that I, I have to say were like, I'm against it. I'll never touch it. But if I could do that, I would try it. Um, I was like, okay, like that's, that's a good start. Um, I had a lot of, um, I guess, retired grandma and grandpas um, out there and mother and mother and fathers um that were anti-cannabis they were like we'll never touch it it's a gateway drug it's all that all the, the old stigmas that we do need to work on breaking i mean you you clearly felt a difference for yourself when you started realizing that cannabis work for you for very things one did did you find any relief with cannabis from the crohn's disease were you getting relief that way oh yes the pain went away well, i should say went away but it went from like a eight, nine down to probably about a three, four. Um, so I'm not getting the cramps. I'm getting, not getting that like gut wrenching, twisting feeling in my stomach. Um, the Unfortunately, the blood was still there, but uh, with the Crohn's medication, it's helping with the, um, the blood aspect of it. So I'm kind of doing a half dose of the Crohn's medication while doing cannabis. I'm hoping eventually to be fully on cannabis. Can, can you can you let's let's talk a little bit more about that for a second? You know, I've I've had some experiences with some people who have um, here in the states who have gotten major relief by utilizing a higher CBD than a THC in their infused foods or using tinctures yeah. that have helped their Crohn's. Have you tried anything like that? I have. I've been trying everything. Um, like I said, I went 
to school for policing. So this was not my forte, my area of expertise. So I started actually um, trying different things. I tried the gummies, didn't work. I tried smoking, didn't work. I tried tinctures, I tried oils, I tried creams, I tried. And you, you were trying those in various levels of THC versus CBD? Correct, correct. Um, I actually spoke to a couple uh, cannabis MDs. Uh, they've given me, you know, ways to do it. So during the day, do CBD. At night, do THC to help with the, the muscle cramps and help relax the muscle to help me sleep better. Because um, I wasn't able to, I was like a fish out of water. I was in so much pain. I couldn't sleep at night, um, sleeping two, three hours a day sometimes. Um, but with cannabis, changed changed it completely. Okay, and then that's what set you on a mission to make sure you could help other people. Is that Correct. what it's all about? Okay. Correct. And, and then you started reaching out. You said that your hospital had an affiliation with the nursing homes. What happened right. there? So there, um, so right across the street, there's a retirement home nursing home. Um, I went there and started speaking to residents while I was like at work and visiting the hospital for, for trials. And I would see residents outside smoking weed um, or cannabis in the in the the cold. I'm like, why do you have to go all the way outside to you know, smoke it. Why can't you just ingest it or take gummy bears or, or so on or so on? Um, most of them were just either against it, didn't want to try it. Um, I, I've seen they some. Didn't want, they, they were smoking it, but they didn't want to try eating it. Eating it. Yes, they were scared because they had a bad experience when they were younger or, you know, so on. Right. Um, which, again, that's why I'm looking for regulatory changes, uh, legislative changes so we can have it regulated. So we don't overdose someone or give too much. They have a bad experience. Um, we're looking at microdosing um, properly for this, and I'm working with uh, students at uh, Western University here in London, Ontario, and I've had meetings with Fanshawe College coordinators as well uh, to try to get this stuff up and running properly. Get, get it being able to be taught so that people can oh, yes. use yeah. it. So, because right now, most doctors I spoke to uh, throughout the last year, they don't know about the cannabinoid system. Uh, they're not taught it. They don't know too much about it. They're like, we know it works. We understand it works, but we just don't know enough to, to do anything with it. Um, they know their clients use it with multiple conditions, either Parkinson's or Alzheimer's and so on, um, which my grandma does have dementia. So I wish, you know, we could help her out because it's so heartbreaking seeing, you know, your loved ones deteriorate in that sense where they forget who you are. Um, but um, and then my grandpa had Parkinson's as well uh, for over 30 years. Strong, strong man. He was like a father figure to me. Um, I wish we knew that kind of stuff back then so we could have helped him as well. Um, but now that we're starting to talk about it more, breaking that stigma um, and bringing light to the actual possibilities of cannabinoids and cannabis actually helping people with conditions. Um, when I was traveling throughout Southern Ontario for my petition, um, I went to events for about one hour. I'd go to um, festivals and, and stuff like that. And I got over 100 cannabis retailers in Southern Ontario to partake in this as well. So amazing uh, cannabis store owners let me put my petition in their store, had people signing it while they were coming to buy their cannabis. Um, and then when I went to um, Ridfest here in Ontario, I stood outside for five minutes. I had a sign, I had a shirt. I turned around, I had a lineup, a lineup of 10 people. I, the owner event coordinator brought me in and I, for about five hours, had nothing but lineup of people talking to me about their experiences. And I was like, that's it. This is what I'm doing. This is what uh, my purpose of life is. It wasn't 
to forward, move forward in policing. It's to help other people out. And and what specifically is your petition asking for? So uh, regulatory changes and legislative changes. So we can actually sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say go ahead, go ahead. So you can actually do what? Uh, legislative changes and regulatory changes. So that way we can actually have restaurants or have the, at least the ability to send infused food to people with medical conditions. Obviously, recreational will be part of it as well. But my main concern is medicinal. We have almost 400,000 Canadians on medicinal uh, cannabis registration. Um, and that's not including the doctors, the, the police officers, the firemen that I personally know that use cannabis to manage their pain and, and so on, right, that aren't registered. So this is where I'm, where I uh, came up with this idea. So in Canada, therefore, you, you're looking for legislative changes that number one allow for restaurants. Are restaurants right now in Canada allowed to infuse with? Canada? No, no, unfortunately, no. It's only private events um, that do it. So there's a lot of chefs out there that have been doing it for 20 years or or so that are very well articulate in this and educated, um, and they know about micro micro dosing and. Um, infusing and all that. So um, they're doing that on the private event scale, but I want to bring it up into restaurants. Uh, they'll be ran just like a bar. Um, I, on the side of working at the hospital, um, I would work there five days a week, full time. On the weekends, I would manage uh, a bar, a nightclub. Um, so I've been in that industry for almost 12 years. Um, you name it, I've been stabbed, puked on, you know, kicked, punched, spit on, you name it, I've had it happen. <laughs> um, that is legal, which blows me away that um, cannabis is not legal in this sense, um, but that is. So I've been meeting with the AGCO, uh, trying to come up with a plan to actually uh, make this possible so we can actually um, run them like the, the bar industry. So you have to be of a certain age. Um, there's going to be limitations for serving, like a smart serve here in Ontario. Um, so we don't overserve people with cannabis and, and yeah, there's definitely a lot to it. <laughs> Got it. So, I mean, this is, this is literally a, a, not just, I mean, this is a multi-level system change. You not only want to be able to change the ability for people in Canada to be able to order or go out and purchase infused foods, but you also want to have a consumption license where people can right. go out and consume on premises together right correct yeah so that way it's it's safe you know it's it's clean product it's safe you're not getting um you know some people i know can handle 10 milligrams but if they take 12.5 or 15 they can't function so that's what we want to do uh we want to have an algorithm we're working on a system for micro infusing um so we can actually do that um, but, it, but it is kind of tough since you know we do know factually that you know, because of the endocannabinoid system, everybody is different. different. So there are some people who can't, you just said it, some people can't handle 10 milligrams. Yeah. There are other people who don't get effects until they hit 50 to 150 milligrams. I mean, I, I know uh, on any given day, um, I have consumed as high as 150 milligrams um, uh, in edibles myself and function and gone to work and you know, done multiple speeches and done a couple of television programs and it doesn't seem to affect me the same mm -hmm. way other people so yeah. i mean how would you be able to from a bar standpoint where would you limit the person's ability to purchase xyz and that wouldn't be fair yeah. for people who have a higher you know uh, a threshold um or would it just be making sure that the product itself 
um, wasn't too overly, you put it in, in, you know, dosages that person could actually end up titrating themselves to the level that it work. That's correct. The last part you said there is what I'm aiming for. Um, Cause a lot of people come that came, come to me with those questions. They're like, how are you going to not over, over service someone or serve someone too little, or how are you going to get home safe? And I'm like, just like the bar, you take a cab, you Uber, you um, so on, take a bus, you know, get a DD to get home. Uh, the over serving, I propose stuff to the regulatory system, which is the AGCO. Um, they'll be in charge of actually writing what we're, how we're going to do it and what we're going to do. I've just made proposals. Um, I would like an algorithm that we can go in um, on a smartphone or a tablet and put in what you do, like your height, your weight, your, so it's all an algorithm that we can actually put into place. Um, you do it once and then it monitors it. So there's a way to, say you took 15 this time it was too much you came in next time you took 12 it was too little so that way we can micro dose you by 0.5 to find out the perfect dose for you um now with the delivery system it's for people with um mobility issues and wheelchairs or um you know parkinson's or, or so on um, that we can actually deliver it to their houses and the sauces with the meals um that's what i would love to see um, as someone who has a lot of medical <laughs> um, health issues, I'm actually uh, seeing a rheumatologist right now because they believe my autoimmune disorders have actually uh, mixed with the medication and created a third autoimmune disorder. Um, they're believing it is psoriasis arthritis. Um, so now my joints are starting to seize and, and so on. Um, so it hurts because I used to be a big bodybuilder. Um, you know, I used to, uh, I work out 16 hours a week, never missed a day at the gym in almost 11 years. Um, and now I struggle to play with my one-year-old, well, now two-year-old, and my uh, five-year-old son. And I used to be the fun dad that was the big guy that could, you know, playground. I couldn't do anything for almost a year and a half. Um, I struggle going up the stairs to do laundry and so on. But second I started doing um, more cannabinoids and cannabis and, and everything like that, I was like, I could move again. Uh, the Percocets were nice, but I was getting a lot of vertigo, a lot of dizziness. Um, I couldn't function as a parent should be functioning, but thank God I have a, an amazing wife and family that come and help me all the time. Um, but for that, I was like, we need to switch more to the CBD, the CBG, um, and so on, um, and focus more on this for medical reasons. So, But we need the education support uh, on this. Because uh, when I've spoke to, um, you know, Crohn's and colitis and arthritis society and all these societies here in Ontario, they're like, there's no Canadian research. There's tons in Israel, tons in the States, uh, but they want to see more Canadian research as well um, to support all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, I think you know, there there is a, what's so crazy about that is that, you know, just like here in the United States, that, that you know, we have doctors all the time saying there's not enough research. Yeah. There is plenty of research. <laughs> right um, I know in the last uh, 10 years, there's been over 35,000 research documents yeah. that have been peer reviewed, studied, and, and published around the world, Canada included in some of those documents that outline cannabis and cannabis effect in various forms and modalities. So now you're a father of two boys and you, your five-year-old son has autism. Correct. Tell me about his recent scare with his prescribed medication. That was 10 times more scarier than anything I've ever gone through. Uh, so my five-year-old son got diagnosed with autism um, about a month ago. 
Um, they wanted to put him on a trial medication. Um, I don't think I'm allowed to say it, <laughs> uh, but the trial medication um, for it. And I was like, well, can we try cannabis instead? Can we try CBD instead? And they're like, no, we think this is the best option. Um, they put him on the medi medication. Excuse me, sorry. They put him on the medication. I want to say about a week and a half later, I called the doctor and I was like, something's wrong. He's having nightmares. He's peed his bed. Um, he doesn't do this. He's never done it. There's something, and she's, she has said, continue on, like continue upping the dose, continue taking the dose. Um, about a week after that, I called her back and I was like, he's now talking to people that aren't there. He says he sees black dots. He sees, it's fine. Continue the medication. So, I took the initiative to lower the medication for three days. Um, I felt something was wrong. So I took, I down the dose, um, one pill. Um, and then I called her and I was like, something needs to happen. Uh, she said, it's completely fine. Up the dose to the 45 uh, milligrams a day and um, we'll do a check on it. Uh, so I brought him to school on the 20th there on Thursday. And when I went to go pick him up, there was three teachers shaking him, trying to wake him up. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, this is not normal. We finally woke him up. I got him home. He was awake for about an hour and a half ish, an hour. Um, he wanted food. I fed him and then I gave him his second medication. Like the doctor told me the day before. Um, so I gave him his second dose of medication within a half hour. He was like, I'm tired. Um, I was like, no problem, buddy. Sleep on the couch. He went to sleep. Um, after several hours, I was like, this is not normal. I went to go wake him up. Um, his eyes were rolled back. He was struggling to breathe in his sleep. He was panting kind of like a dog. Um, my wife and I, um, or fiance and I immediately called an ambulance. Um, ambulance showed up. We got him to the hospital. Uh, it turned out he was overdosed on mm -hmm. the, this autism medication. His heart had dropped to about 45. Um, they said if we had not got him there that, that night, um, he would have died for, from an overdose. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. It, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Oh, but, uh, sorry. Um, it's okay. um, but yeah, seeing him unconscious, I carried him unconsciously into the ambulance when the ambulance driver showed up. Um, they wouldn't allow me go to go cause of COVID. So my wife went, um, the next or that day they put an IV in them. There was about eight doctors around them. Um, they were working on him so hard to make sure he didn't, overdose um, they gave him the counteractive medication for it uh, they said it usually takes about 12 hours for it to get out of his system um, it took about 18 close to 20 hours for him because it was such a high dose for for him um, so yeah he was almost unconscious for a day um, laying in the hospital uh, breathing breathing sorry breathing tubes on him um, and so on um, it's hard because i wasn't allowed to be there so my wife was there for him. Um, the next day, they said he was awake. My, my wife FaceTimed me. We, we talked. Um, and then I was allowed to go to the hospital and, and see him. And then I stayed there for the next two days with him um, until he was stable enough to be sent home. Um, so now I'm kind of more adamant about cannabinoids and cannabis with autism um, research than ever before. Um, and that's when I reached out to you guys. I mean, is he able to be prescribed cannabis in Canada for his autism? Um, I have a meeting next week with a doctor. 
So with a, with a cannabis doctor. So I'll be speaking to him. I hope that they do prescribe it for him. Um, I would love to, I even said, I'll do a clinical trial. Um, cause no matter what clinical trial there is, it will not be as bad as what just happened, <laughs> what just happened to him on the autism medication. I mean, how does the, the medical cannabis system work in Canada? I mean, is he capable, can a doctor prescribe it for him in Canada? Oh yes. Uh, I'm, I'm prescribing uh, cannabis uh, from a doctor here in, uh, in Ontario. So I get prescription medication, uh, cannabis, and I get, you know, discounted rate, a little cheaper rate as well. Um, but my benefits don't cover it. Uh, my benefits cover everything else. Uh, the worst part about uh, that, it, it sucks because my benefits, I believe it or not, got not approved for disability when I went on disability. Um, they, they said no. And I was like, I have all these conditions. Um, even though that I've shown them proof, I gave them over uh, oh, close to 3,000 documents of medications from doctor, or sorry, medications, doctor notes, uh, doctor reports. I went through, I want to say over 25 MRIs, CT scans, um, blood work two, three times a week, sometimes for a year. Um, I was in and out of the hospital almost daily um, doing tests. And they said, we see that you have these, uh, these conditions. We see that you have, but we cannot approve you for disability which just absolutely blows my <laughs> blows my mind but um so i'm kind of fighting that right now um but and that's a separate battle from the other battle yes yes it's been one heck of a year <laughs> so or a heck of two years but uh, for me the scariest thing that made me go okay i need to do this more strictly and start reaching out more is after my son almost passed i don't want to see any other parent have to carry their unconscious child um, into an ambulance or worse, lose their child. Um, we were not even given options to try cannabis, even though I asked. Um, that is a big thing. Why are doctors not saying, look, there is scientific research. There is this, you know, available. Why don't you try it? Or do you want to try? The There's no option, um, which is something that needs to change as well. Um, now, like you said, there are a lot of medical um, uh documents and and research all over like i know guelph university does it and and uh hamilton st joe's hospital they, they all do it. vancouver yeah they, they all do it um so i actually spoke with one of the um M mpps that actually helped with changing legislative here in canada when it first happened um i contacted her and i was like this is what i'm doing this is what I'm, why i'm doing it she goes, you don't even need to speak anymore. We already have all the all the information we need. So she goes, if you get provincially approved, she goes, federally will be so much easier. Um, and then I was like, okay, so I'm going to focus on provincially. So that's why I got a provincial petition going. I have about seven, 8,000 signatures on it right now. Um, and the premier's office said that they only want about 2,000. And I got all the way up to 7,000 by myself fighting my conditions in and out of the hospital. Um, and so I'm trying to be a father and trying to be a, you know, a fiance as well. So. And, and now, you know, how, how does the system work right now? I mean, again, you are allowed to have cannabis in flower form, tincture form, right? Extracts form, and you can even have edibles right now in Canada, but those edibles are primarily candy. Candy. Yeah. So no one's focusing too much on, 
the nutritional value of it, which just blows me away because our whole system, um, I always say our brain is our, our, our second system. It's our, our stomach is the overall health for everything else. Right. So our gut, gut. so it's our gut brain. (laughs) Um, so that's why I want to focus on changing stuff to actually get nutritional things, uh, meals, food, snacks infused with everything. Um, so that way we can help people who have diabetes, um, and, you know, Parkinson's and Crohn's and and Alzheimer's with nutritional um, menu option. And that's why you spoke, you started Les Munchies. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So Les Munchies was, um, yeah, yeah, Les Munchies. I'm I'm half French or a quarter French. So I went with Les Munchies. Um, So I want to have that business going so we can actually, once we change legislative and regulatory system, we can actually, um, create a restaurant, get a business going, get a franchise going, um, and have it all over. I've had people reach out from Vancouver, um, Alberta, uh, start seeing me in the newspapers and, and magazines and being like, can we buy that? I'm like, I can't yet. We need to change legislative regulatory system and move forward from there. I would love to see events happening, uh, to have musicians on board to have live events, live music festivals with cannabis, with food vendors there. Um, which I've already spoke to multiple vendors, <laughs> uh, companies that do this, they're on board with it um, for multiple reasons. Um, even when I spoke to MPPs, MPs, ministers, um, and so on, I had a couple say, well, we don't like cannabis. We've never tried it. We don't want it. But we do see the benefits for the tourism industry, for agriculture, for you know, so on and so on. So we, we will support it for these reasons. Um, educational system, if we can develop more programs, that's going to bring in more students. So more tourism for London, which is big for students here in London. Sure. And how are you now doing? I mean, you've been fighting this fight, but at the same time, keeping yourself medicated. How are you feeling now? Um, I am more functional. <laughs> uh, I'm still in a lot of pain. Um, I was silly and tried to shovel my lane away for 10 minutes yesterday. And I was on the couch for about three hours after Um, I was in so much pain. I couldn't move. Um, So I just had some, some cannabis, (laughs) Um, took an opioid and laid on the couch and, and then got up and got my kids ready and put them to bed. Um, But yeah, I have a duffel bag of of medication beside me, but um, I do what I can. It's, it's hard. Um, I'm trying to manage, everything at once but i have to be able to function as a father right so it's uh it's hard i have to kind of suck it up take the pain some days just to do what i have to do and then once the kids are in bed i'll have a little bit more so that way i can relax and not be in pain at nighttime gotcha well i'll tell you jeremy we wish you a lot of luck we're going to keep an eye on your progress Uh, let us know fill us in from time to time tell us what's going on people wanted more information in canada and people wanted more information here in the united states where would they go um they can contact me directly and i have a lot of connections i can i can bring them to um i have people from the states actually after um amazing people um from the states after seeing my article sending me cannabis in the mail to say try this try this um it's to me cannabis is a family um we need to get rid of that stigma and bring in the overall health aspect of it and people all over the world are contacting me um even in nigeria i've had people contact me about this um asking how to change legislative so they can do it there um right. which i have obviously no idea how to do, do that but i'm working on ontario first maybe eventually we can go worldwide with it uh, but right now my main focus is ontario and improving people's quality of life that's my biggest thing 
Okay. Well, congratulations to you for all the hard work and, you know, we'll keep an eye on you and, uh, you know, check in with us from time to time. Let us know how you're doing. I wish right. you done well. I hope you stay well. And, you know, again, people will reach out to you. Do you have a website of your own or? Um, I don't, the website I just bought. So we're working on making it right now. Um, but we, I do have a, a Munchies Merch 519 Instagram I have up and running now. Um, trying to track the progress of when I'm meeting MPs um, and people in the community and so on. Um, so I do have lay munchies, uh, munchies merch at gmail.com is my email. If anyone wants to reach out, uh, my phone's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, my friend. And look, you stay well, and I'm going to make sure that everybody home, but we're out of time. Everybody home understands that you keep watching and keep tuning in to let's be blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on let's be blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments.